I don't want to scare anyone. But I'm going to give it to you straight about Jason. Welcome to Scream 101 Podcast. I am Shannon Chalakian. And I'm Brennan Klein. And this podcast is all about Friday the 13th Part 2. <gasps> twice the fun. Twice like the Friday. Friday the 26th. Huh. No, that's horrible. <laughs> A little math jokes to get us started. Uh, speaking of math, let's start with the number 10, as in our 10 word reviews. <gasps> Starting with you, Brennan, go ahead. And our fabulous 10 word reviews today are Muppet Treasure Island. Books. I love you, but leave my Muppets alone. Muppets from space. Hate myself for loving this. Clifford is super racist, though. And The Muppets 2011. This and Scream are my two most influential movies. And and that one wasn't a joke. I love that movie. You should. It's an amazing movie. Uh, so mine was also for The Muppets 2011 because we watched it together. Um, this movie made me a very happy, very manly Muppet. <laughs> Oh man, I love that. I want to buy some Muppets so we can we can have some like video audio presentations on the podcast. That'd be great. I uh you could you used to be able to make your own at FAO Schwartz in um New York. Oh. And I saw that it was like 20 bucks. So the first time I went to New York, I, I saw it was 20 bucks. I didn't have 20 bucks at the time. So when I went back, I took $20 and then come to find out it was like his clothing was $20 and in order to make the Muppet, it was like 100 or 200. And I was not willing to dish out. I feel like I would dish it out now, but not then. Yeah, and now that Disney owns the Muppets, they probably shoot anyone who tries to make their own Muppet. That too. That too. That should be our goal for this year. New Year's resolution, make a Muppet. Okay. Okay, anyway, other than that side note, back to our discussion. Uh, We are going to start with Brennan reading the plot. As read from the Big Lots edition of Friday the 13th Part 2. Five years after the massacre at Camp Crystal Lake, The nerve-wracking legend of Jason Voorhees and his diabolical mother lives on. Despite ominous warnings from the locals to stay away from Camp Blood, a group of counselors at a nearby summer camp decide to explore the area where seven people were brutally slaughtered. All too soon, they encounter horrors of their own and the killing begins again. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. Alright, so as our discussion goes every week, uh, we rate... Our scariness, one to five screams. Our campiness, one to five perms. Our gore, one to five severed limbs. And our quality, one to five unlucky stars. I'll start just for kicks. Um, My scariness rating is two out of five screams. This movie is a technically much better movie than Friday the 13th. Mm -hmm. It actually has a director who is awake, who had his coffee this morning, who, who ate his Wheaties this morning, and... It's still a slasher movie. It's still a Friday the 13th movie. So it's not actually scary, but there are actually scenes that set up some pretty good tension that I enjoyed. Like there's a part where Muffin, the little dog that's around at the camp, um, runs up to just a pair of feet and looks up and you're like, what's going to happen to the dog? You're like, Ambrosius? No. Sorry, we're still on a labyrinth kick. Also, there's a scene where the camera's swooping in behind someone, but then the kill comes from in front of them. And there's just some scenes like that that are actually pretty well directed. 
And there's a great part where um, Jason stabs with a pitchfork through the cloth roof of a convertible. There's a part where um, the final girl, Ginny, played by Amy Steele, is hiding under the bed. And she thinks that he's gone and she starts crawling out from under the bed, but turns out he's on top of the bed and he lunges at her with a pitchfork. Like there's some really cool sequences that I like. So two out of five. I'm just going to stop laundry listing scenes from this movie. Cause that's okay. That's okay. I'm a hardcore fan. Oh, obviously. So, uh, I, I originally rated this a one out of five screams, but there was a moment that I verbally yelled at the television. So <laughs> that was great. So I think that has to be one bump up. Um, so it is two out of five screams and it was only because there was a jump scare that was pretty well done. It was a cat flying through a window. Yeah, the cat, that that was not a jumping cat. That was a cat that was thrown, possibly tossed from a bucket. Yeah, yeah, and just through the window at, at uh, one of the main characters, um, or not even a main character. She did a very, like, Scream-esque intro where they took the uh, a popular character and killed them off in the opening scene in a scene that is completely um superfluous yeah some isolated completely isolated from the rest of the plot uh but anyway so yeah so that i'm gonna rate two out of five screams again there's it was eh, it was all right yeah it was all right what would you rate campiness i rated it three out of five perms because we're finally getting into the 80s we're getting some real some real meat some real perm goodness yes um first of all um in the opening scene that is alice the previous final girl who gets killed and after she dies uh, Jason Voorhees very politely takes her kettle off the stove so it doesn't burn the house down. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, oh, the opening titles, like Friday the 13th logo appears and it explodes and turns into a big shiny chrome part two. Yeah. Just to like, you know, really get the blood boiling, get all the, like all those Furbies flowing through your veins. Oh boy. I don't know. Like there's a harmonica scene before these people have sex. Um, a, the slutty mixed nipples, the the girl who is like wearing a Mickey Mouse T-shirt with no bra, right? She throws her towel directly at the camera, which is Jason. Yeah, uh, there's just there's so much to talk about, and we'll talk about more over the course of the film. But it's it's a great film in terms of campiness. Okay, I agree. There were some pretty interesting things, I will say. Uh, definitely contributed. Um, I'm rating it two out of five for campiness. Uh, especially because it is a camp movie. Oh. Ha, ha, ha. But there was just, like, one character, like, he was wearing this weird Newsies cap yeah. the entire movie. He even had a sex scene, and I wouldn't be surprised if he was still wearing it because he just wore it all the time. He um, did. He wore it, like, up until the sex scene. Yeah, he wore it nonstop. And then his girlfriend, who looks 13, like, in the first couple shots... Until she's only in a bikini, because then she does not look thirteen. Um, they, I don't know, their relationship was really weird, uh, and they're all supposed to be training to be camp counselors, which you know is is a cool thing, and it's also cool that they're next to Camp Blood, so that they like trespass too far into the um, into the the forest, and then there's Camp Blood. But uh, other things that I thought were really really campy, like they played pretty much the entire Friday the Thirteenth in flashbacks for the first five minutes of the film. Oh, God. Which was awful. And on top of that, uh, when they're running through the forest, they run through <laughs> this puddle with with a rock on it. And it's in, like, every shot where someone is running through a forest. I mean, it was in it was there when the sheriff was running through the forest. It was there when um, the two, ki- two uh, lovebirds were running in th- through the forest. It was there when Jason was running through the forest. I mean, it was always, like, that one 
area. I was half waiting for the rock to like become a human being and get up and start yeah. killing people. I mean that that rock in a puddle is in the film more than the black counselor. Yeah, exactly. Like it's a very special rock in a puddle that then does nothing. Yeah. So so that just those quirks, just those quirks contribute <laughs> to the score um for me. Okay. Yeah. Uh gore, I'm going to say I'm going to rate it a 2 out of 5 severed limbs. There were some good shots. Uh you know, some interesting things it's still you know it's a sequel you just you're just one-upping what was already done in the first one anyway so uh the pitchfork was a nice touch the chainsaw was a nice touch i love that there was a scene to introduce the chainsaw um so there was some there was some good stuff but it's it's just at this point it's just i'm i'm so uh superior i guess oh my god i can't believe you're fatigued by friday the 13th we're on part two there is 12 of them i i know we're i gonna, we're gonna get there oh goodness save me anyway i do agree my gore score is also two out of five i think the um conceptually the kills are better than the original but in execution we we don't have tom savini here there's nothing really special and also this was right when things were starting to get more helmed in by the mpaa so it wasn't it's just not visceral there's not very much blood it cuts away a little too fast. It's just not as exciting. So um, Friday the 13th is one of my favorite film franchises for truly despicable reasons, I guess. So I'm going to just let you go first and just stab me in the heart right now. What is your quality rating for Friday the 13th Part 2? So my quality rating is actually 3 out of 5. Okay. Which is... Okay, my heart survives. Yeah. It was just a it was, it was a, it was a, just a flesh wound. Uh, yeah, your heart will go on. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so three out of five because I would watch it again. It wasn't awful. And there was this really interesting storyline that I liked a ton involving um, the main, the final girl, Ginny. And this weird... Uh, uh, Exposition. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that scene. Yeah, so so it's just so strange because Ginny has this weird exposition um, that is just very, like, thrown on her. Like, oh, you're majoring in child psychology, blah, blah, blah. Um. <clears throat> I believe the exact line is, well, because her boyfriend Paul is trying to like fix her car, and he's like, "Why don't you use some of the that child psychology you're majoring in?" Like yeah. wink, wink. Yeah, and then she throws it back and is like, "Well, with you as my boyfriend, I use it all the time," which is like, great, awesome, good job. Um, anyway, <laughs> they build it up not very well. But they do build it up to to <laughs> to, to the they, idea they, that they throw it in. Yeah, they just throw it in there. The but rim they, shot. They build it into the point where they say, you know. Um, the, sorry to interrupt you again, but they throw it in like the cat in the opening sequence. <laughs> yeah, it's just in a bucket the and they dump it onto the screen. Yeah, through the window. Um, but they throw it in to, to kind of say, you know what? I bet Jason survived all this time and didn't really develop. And just doesn't understand death and just like his mother is just gone and and et cetera, which leads to this really great ending where um, we, we find Jason's shrine to his mother, which includes his mother's head and his mother's sweater. Right. Uh, uh, and her th- machete there. Even in the woods, there's always time to remain fashionable. <laughs> exactly. So he's got this whole shrine and Ginny, when faced with life or death, puts on the sweater and uses her child psychology skills to trick Jason into thinking that she is his mother. And it goes wrong, of course. But it was like, that was actually a pretty cool like plot device 
going on there. So uh, the quality is up for that reason. Yeah. And remember, kids, stay in school in case a psychopathic killer tries to come after you and your friends. Exactly. That's why I'm in school. <laughs> yeah. Not child development, but human development. So I got all my bases covered. Yeah, you got it covered. Yeah. <laughs> um, my quality rating is four out of five on Lucky Stars. You can. Are you serious? Uh, yeah. Uh, Look, okay. I love the original Friday the Thirteenth, but this film is better, and I gave that one a four. So, sit down, Shannon. Whatever. You gave it a three. I'm just one star higher. I'm gonna stop. Okay. Um. Yeah, but my score was high to begin with. Like, I gave it some pity points. I enjoy this franchise because you know what you're gonna get, and then you get it. It's. My comparison is it's um, like the slasher movies that I really like. They're kind of like Agatha Christie mysteries um, Uh because, you know, they're all going to have the same basic thing. There's going to be a dead man on the floor. There's going to be a whole bunch of suspects and like the detective. And the fun thing about watching them is seeing how they're different from the other ones that you've read. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. I was more thinking that you asked you asked Santa for socks for Christmas and then you got it. That's what I. That was my, how I was making the comparison. Whatever. But, you know. That's all right. You're rude, but anyway. Um. So the thing about the slasher is that you know the formula, you know the archetypes, and I like seeing how films play with that. And this one's actually kind of interesting. Like there are a whole bunch of archetypical characters, but they don't play out the way that you think. Like the hunky guy Scott, played by Russell Todd, he, um, is constantly striking out with the girls, um, to the point that he has to dance with Muffin the dog. <laughs> And there's this really prudish girl in this chunky cable knit sweater, which is kind of like the through line of the franchise um, because of Betsy Palmer. But she seems like the normal prude virgin girl, but she's going all at it. She's horny as hell and not afraid to show it. And also, I think it's actually for a Friday the 13th movie. It's actually a really consistent sequel. Like it continues a lot of the ideas and themes of the themes well continues a lot of the ideas and elements of the first one it's a good continuation of the first one i'll I'll agree yeah save for the fact that jason's supposed to be a dead zombie child that's a pretty big one but for the rest like um it's like we get to see what happens to alice we get a continuation of that and she's still drawing like they remember her one character trait and then it's another camp five years later on the same lake um betsy palmer returns as the um as mrs Voorhees. there's a whole bunch of consistent continuity which will literally never happen again so that's cool yeah and it is it is still uh kind of laying the groundwork for um uh, the rest of the series. At this point, you still don't see Jason in his hockey mask. Uh, he he has a bag over his head with one eye showing, and then you find out that he's mongoloid, and all that happens. Yeah, and that's also the fun thing because this is this is baghead Jason, and hockey mask Jason will get in the next entry, which a lot of people don't remember except for the horror fans who love to talk about it at bars. But um, the fun, the really fun thing that I'm going to show my nerdiness. Is that when people think of Friday the 13th, they think of Jason in a hockey mask at Camp Crystal Lake killing camp counselors. That's like the classic thing. With a machete. Yes. Um, but that, that combination that I said um, literally never happens in a single entry in the franchise. Like when Jason's in a hockey mask. Or Jason doesn't have a hockey mask for the first two. And he's not the killer in the first one. And when he does kill camp counselors in his hockey mask, it's not at Camp Crystal Lake. It's at Camp Forest Green. So there's my nerdiness. The classic archetype Friday the 13th movie does not exist. To take your nerdiness a little further uh, or explain for our listeners, um, he actually has a poster 
uh, on his wall of every single kill that happens in the Friday Thirteenth uh, franchise, in and the way that it is done. Um, which in is order. actually it's pretty cool. In order, it's yeah. really cool. Yeah, and I only now am starting to understand, you know, some of them because I have seen some of the movies. It's slowly twisting into focus. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Anyway, moving on to our favorite segment, Champion Dialogue. So, Brennan, what was your favorite line? Okay, my Champion Dialogue is about Muffin the dog. Uh, The dog goes missing in that scene that I talked about earlier. And Terry, who is Slutty McSlut Nipples, she, um, well, everybody else is going into town, but she decides to stay, to stick around at the camp, which was a bad decision on her part. But here's what she says. I think I'll stay too, Muffin May Show. And that line is great, because first of all, she's slutty mixed slut nipples. Second of all, it's so it's such an it's such an obvious innuendo that clearly no one noticed. It is right. not played off as a I joke. I didn't notice it. Yeah, okay. Well, I notice it. I've seen this movie so many times. Right. But also, Muffin does show because yeah. she gets naked and goes skinny dipping. Yeah, we see some uh, 80s bush coming out of the bushes. I'm not going to put that on the podcast. That is coming out of the podcast. Okay. Well, you're the editor, so that's fine. Um, I just, for me, it's kind of like a weird version of foreshadowing, and it amuses me a lot. Yeah, that was good. I definitely didn't even, I didn't even notice that line, so I'm glad that, uh, that you caught that. That that's what I'm here for. Yeah. So, um, my champion dialogue is one word, and it was be it's when Alice in the opening scene, who was kind of, you get the the sense that she is isolated herself and that she is still in psychological recovery. She's in her apartment, uh, we assume, and then there's the jump scare, and she says this. Cute. And she's just so done. Like, you can just tell that she's exhausted and, like, her character feels different, and um, this stupid cat coming through the window uh, scares her, and then she's just like, cute, nice. Yeah, I think she's as tired of this franchise as you are. <laughs> Yeah, and it's sad. It's only it's only the second part. Anyway, on to our favorite character. Uh, who was your favorite character? Okay, my favorite character is another example of this film's commitment to continuity and actually bringing people back. It's Crazy Ralph. Oh, Crazy um, Ralph. He's the harbinger from the first one who's like, you'll never come back again. And he rides his bike everywhere, and he does the same thing here. But the thing I love about Crazy Ralph in this movie is that he's so on message. Like, there's two kids in a phone booth i don't know how he knows that they're camp counselors he has like a spider sense for that kind of thing but he runs up to them and he's like i warned the others they didn't listen you're doomed you're all doomed and then he just jets off on his bike like he gets in he says what he wants to say and he ditches and i respect that he's a man who gets his work done efficiently and on time yeah and then he gets killed I'm so upset. This was one of the things that I was really excited for for the rest of the films is for him to show up and give these these cryptic messages. But now he's dead, so why would I even watch the rest? He does make a voice-only cameo in part seven. I'm so concerned that you know that. Um, so my favorite character was Mark, who is the wheelchair hunk. Um, Ooh, man. He's so cute. He's very cute. Uh, he doesn't have the piercing blue eyes that, that hunky McHunkerstein Russell Todd character has. <laughs> um, but he's, he's just like, like classic cute and he's very determined and, um, like very secure in himself where the prude slut girl 
asks him what happens and he opens up to her and it's very cute and you're rooting for them and then he gets killed and and his chair slides down this giant flight of stairs yeah like like uh rosemary's baby is that where that one is with the baby thing that goes down the stairs what movie is that from battleship potemkin that's from battleship potemkin you're so you're so sophisticated yeah i went to film school (laughs) Yeah, so he he goes down this this flight of stairs. Um that reminds me of the exorcist stairs and also reminds me of of the the weird baby carriage that goes down in Battleship Potemkin. Eisensteinian montage techniques. There we go. Yeah, so that happened. Um which I don't even remember the stairs in any other part of the movie. All of a sudden he's going down them. Yeah, I don't think there are stairs. They yeah. appear just for this kill. Yeah, which is fine. I mean, you know, wheelchair kills um are heightened i guess uh we talked about it briefly in our texas chainsaw massacre episode so jason is an equal opportunity killer yes indeed because he doesn't understand because he's a child that's true uh anyway so yeah he was uh my favorite character because he's so nice and perfect and a cinnamon bun um so yeah my favorite scene actually ties into that so i'm gonna jump in it's that scene that you were describing with um vicky and mark flirting because um, he's arm wrestling everyone and they kind of leave to go bang in a hammock or whatever the hell they do in Friday the 13th movies. And sh- she comes up and he's like, oh, yeah, you want to you wanna challenge me? And, he's, and she's like, oh, I only need your fingers. And then she pulls out like two Game Boys or whatever the hell they were in the 80s. And she keeps making really direct innuendos. Oh, yeah. Like way more than slutty McSlut nipples. Right. But she's so cute. Like just innocent looking and cute you know yeah it it's such a fun sequence full of the worst sports sex puns you'll ever hear in your entire life yeah and he's like which one do you want to play and she goes the one with the puck what does that even mean i don't know but it sounds really aggressive right yeah it sounds like she was trying to say a sexual innuendo and it just like didn't hit is it because it rhymes with it i don't know i i think so okay and they end up actually playing the game and not having sex, and that is an improper use of time because if you're going to die, maybe don't play the hockey game. Right, exactly. Anyway, so then <laughs> that's where my favorite scene ties in. Oh, nice. Directly after that. Um, oh, God. Directly after that, she finally is like, she directly is like, do you want to stay with me tonight? Like, do you want to bang? And, oh, no, first of all, sorry, let's go back. First, she asks about his penis. She literally does that. She goes, oh, so your legs got hurt and your legs are paralyzed. And he goes, yeah. And she goes, does everything else work is what she says. And he says, I do all right. And so they've already passed the whole penis discussion. And so then she asks, do you want to stay with me tonight? And he's like, that's what I was thinking. And she's like, great. I just need to go grab some things. And so she like runs to the other cabin where she is putting so much perfume on her body. (laughs) And then she puts her sexy V-neck sweater which is not sexy at all, but you know, whatever. It's her nice sweater, I guess. And then she gets out these brown shimmery oh panties, which are awful. And she takes off her nice black panties to put on these brown, ugly panties. Like, Let me slip into something more tacky. I know exactly. Um, which was just super funny. Uh, so that all happens and it's just the most ridiculous scene. And then it starts raining and so then she goes off to like find him and he's dead and then they kill her and it's a whole deal. But that entire like sequence of her getting ready is just so long and extra- extemporaneous and like 
ridiculous. And yeah, it's sad that they don't get to bang, but also she was wearing the wrong underwear for it. So yeah, no, I'm I'm really glad that they didn't because she messed up. Yeah, she would have ruined that night. Yeah, I don't know. I I respect her like volition, her like her ambition. Um, she yeah, she's she's stoic. Yeah, absolutely. And he used like two respectable and 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 like quiet He's to so have cute. said it he, yeah they were so cute whatever anyway um let's head on into the splatter dome splatter dome splatter and now a moment of silence for those who have departed us alice is stabbed in the temple with an ice pick crazy ralph is garroted with barbed wire cop is hit in the head with a claw hammer. Scott has his throat slit with the back of a machete. Terry is killed off screen. Machete kills Mark in the face and then he falls down the stairs. That was a that was a Robert Rodriguez joke. Oh yeah, I got it. Okay. Okay. Jeff is impaled with a spear. Sandra is impaled with that same spear. <laughs> About to go wah wah. Vicky is stabbed in the chest. Something happens to Paul. We don't know. Yay. Okay. And moving on up. So what was your best kill? My best kill we pretty thoroughly covered. It was uh, the kill with Mark falling down the stairs in his wheelchair because it's so excessive and strange and fun. So yeah. that's mine. What's yeah. yours? Uh, so mine is the backwards machete kill <laughs> where Hunky McHunkerstein with the blue eyes, um, played by, play by Russell Todd, like is hung upside down uh, and then his throat gets slashed but explain the whole thing what's the deal okay um with a machete there is the business end the sharp end with the curve and then there's the flat end that's just the back of the knife like most knives have and that flat end is the part that jason uses to slit his throat oh and it's pretty clearly like also a couple inches away from his throat it's not the best effect in the world Right, but I still think it's it was a fun kill. Oh, it's a great kill. Yeah, because it slits and then the blood drips down and you're like, he's upside down. This is so weird. And I also said while while we were watching it, like, this is the proper way to, to gut a pig. Because, you know, you bleed them out for it. I don't know if you know that. Just kidding. Okay, moving on. Um, <laughs> who who would you resu- resurrect that, that died? I would resurrect Mark, the wheelchair guy, because he's so handsome. And I think he's adorable. And I feel like he could... Just do some good in the world. Yeah, he doesn't deserve it. Uh, and I want to see him walk. He makes this whole big thing about how he doesn't believe that the doctors are right about him never being able to walk again. So that would have been cool. Anyway. Well, what did they say about him in stairs? Because that came true. Yeah, right. Um, I would resurrect his girlfriend, Vicky. They weren't actually established. Whatever. They were going to bang. Uh, because she needs a chance to redeem herself and they need a chance to redeem themselves together. So yeah, maybe he can learn to walk. Maybe she can learn to put on the right color panties. Yeah. It could be a great lifetime together. Exactly. On the other hand, I would murder. There aren't, there aren't that many people who survive. Let's, let's start with that. But of the people who did survive, I would murder Ned. Ned is this like string bing bean looking guy who goes out on a night of the town and then just stays while all his friends get murdered. Yeah, he's he's the he, that's my choice for murder as well. Good. I don't dislike him. I just think he totally needed to be murdered in this movie. Yeah. Because he's the the prankster, the clown, that character dies. 
And there's a scene where they're like, let's go into town. And like 12 other counselors are like, yeah, we'll come. And none of them die. Like right. Paul and Ginny come back and they're in the mess. But all the extra counselors that are sitting there and you're like, ooh, how's he going to kill all these people? The answer is he's not. And it's dumb. And I want to see Ned die. Is Ned in any of the other movies? No, he's not. Okay, yeah. So, see, continuity, not so much. Yeah, completely with, useless. Like, why did they even build up his character? They, like... Spent so much time on him. Yeah, and he's just out in the bar somewhere, like... Well, he, he, he's... The last time we see him, he asked this really old Hugh Hefner-looking guy with, like, a popped collar if there's an after-hours club, and the guy's like, yeah, there is. So he gets an okay scene to go out on, but I wish it was a death scene. Yeah, which is also funny, because they're in the middle of the woods, like... They're those pop- people get crazy yeah th- yeah but they're population 13 you know like the only reason <laughs> ralph knows that those kids are are camp counselors is because they're the only kids around yeah they're <laughs> well, it's like well it's not jenny from down the block i guess it must be the counselors yeah exactly anyway anyway um games games let's move on into the games um we're gonna bring back a game we haven't played in a while it's called smackdown yeah. It's where we pit uh, villains from two different franchises and discuss who would win. And this one, just just to just for a uh, thought exercise, who would win between Baghead Jason and Hockey Mask Jason? Oh, that's so unfair. Because I haven't seen any Hockey Mask Jason movies. Well, I think I feel like you've seen half of three and four. I was asleep for most of that. Okay, that's true. Um, well, you take Baghead Jason. Okay. I've got Baghead Jason. Huh. Okay. So I'm going to say that Baghead Jason is going to win because he um, has a wide array of weapons that he uses. Okay. And um, despite his visibility issues, he has more mystique and has put more thought into... uh, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. He's not gonna win. I, I don't know. Yeah. No. As as evidenced in part eight, Jason takes Manhattan. See, this is unfair, folks. Uh, this is why <laughs> well, you can't no. play this game. Hockey mask Jason can teleport pretty much. Oh no! Because it, he he's just like everywhere. At once. It's through crappy editing. Okay. He doesn't like specifically have teleportation <laughs> I, I powers. I was like, how did I miss that? <laughs> You're not there yet. See, <laughs> I'm just trying to like. It's like a teaser for You're you to want to, to watch the rest me. of them. Yeah. But. He can teleport, so he can just, like, appear behind him and grab the pitchfork out of his hands and then zap in front of him and stab him in the chest. Like, I feel like it's no contest. All right. It was, al- it was always killing me that um, during the during the film, they would just, like, watch his... Because they didn't want to reveal, like, what he looked like. So it was just, like, his feet walking through the forest, right? Mm-hmm. He's a hulking man wearing these huge boots. And these kids are, like, barefoot, wearing nothing, you know? <laughs> so I'm like, how do they not hear him, you know? Uh, just the rush of boner blood going through their ears. I guess so. I don't know. Sex kills, folks. Sex kills. Speaking of, our next game is Boff, Mary Kill. Yay! Uh, let's start with the mail round. Would okay. you Boff, Mary Kill Scott, who is uh, Russell Todd, Blue Eyes, White Dragon, whatever okay. the hell you called him. Okay. Uh, Mark, Wheelchair Kid. Okay. And Paul, who's the guy in charge of the camp. He's dating Ginny. Oh. And they're, they would have very sunburned ginger babies together. Absolutely. Uh, definitely kill Paul. Definitely. Uh, he just is not a very good... I mean, I don't know. He's not a super great leader, which is well, fine. Well, he, uh, he reprimanded those two guys by taking their seconds away on dessert. That's right. I did think that was funny. Uh, but overall, I just think he's whiny and annoying. And Jenny is way better than he is. Uh, I would... 
bang Hunky McHunkerson, uh, Russell Todd with the blue eyes in the 80s. <laughs> uh, and then I would marry Mark, which is a no-brainer because he is wonderful and a cinnamon bun. Yeah, I would marry Mark too. Mm-hmm. And do you want to hear this ad saga of Mark, like the actor? Or do you want to just let Mark exist in his own universe? Hmm. No, tell me. I want to know. Okay. Well, because I was looking into it and I was like, this guy's super cute. I wonder what he's doing now. Um, well, when I was doing my research, I discovered that he was gay. And I was like, hell yeah, let's let's go. And then I also discovered that he died like three years later of AIDS. Oh. So the 80s were an awful time. Yeah. Um, anyway, I would marry Mark were he still alive today. May he rest in peace. Um, I would kill Scott, um, the Russell Todd character. Because I like the performance. I like everything. But that character is such a douchebag. And when yeah. I go skinny dipping, I want my clothes to remain there on the beach. I don't want him to steal them. So if he's dead, he can't do that. Yeah, but he was so cute dancing with the dog, you know? That is like no, see like I like him, but I feel like he would just torment me mercilessly. Yeah, all right. And then I would bang Paul cuz I do think he's kind of cute in like in like an authority kind of way. All right. Uh female round. Would you boff Mary kill Ginny, the final girl? Vicky, uh Mark's wheelchair kid's girlfriend or Sandra? who is the girl that you thought was 13 until she took off her sweater. Okay. Uh, I would kill Sandra, definitely. Um, I would marry Vicky because she reminds me of... Who is the girl from Madman who took, takes out all of the... Um, Ellie. Ellie. Who hides in the fridge. Yeah, she takes out the fridge. I miss Ellie. That was the only redeeming thing about that entire movie of Madman <laughs> was that. Uh, but you can listen to that podcast instead of this one. Um, Episode two. That was so long yeah, ago. So long ago. But she reminds me of Ellie in some way where she's like sweet, but also like wants to get it, you know? So uh, that's a great quality. Both of those things. Uh, so yeah, I would marry her and then I would bang Ginny. Um, yeah. All right. So that's it. Well, I'd kill Sandra because if you bang Sandra, you're going to die. That's kind of the rule. That's right. Um, and well, I if you bang anyone... You would, you would die. Okay, that's true, but I, okay, if I had to die banging someone, I wouldn't want to be up in heaven, like, skewered next to her for the rest of eternity. That's a good point. Um, so I'd kill her. I would... I would. It's hard, right? Like, Yeah, I definitely, it's tough. Like, I don't want to marry Vicky, because so, she comes on so strong, like, I feel like she'd freak me out. Yeah, so I'd bang inter- her once, because she's crazy. They're kind of interchangeable, yeah. And um, Ginny... Like, she is one of those classic final girls... But, so yeah, I, like, I'd marry her. She can fix my car and I wouldn't have to worry about it. Like, I would never have to figure out how to check my oil because she could do it. So that'd be fine. Yeah. She doesn't fix her car. Well, she's... Paul does. Well, no, because she's the one who gets it running in the beginning. No, Paul does. No, because he goes to fix it and he, she sports gas in his face. Uh, I will agree to disagree. Whatever. Uh, Who's seen this film more times, Shannon? That doesn't mean anything. Dedicated my life to I know how to actually fix a car. Um, I will, however, say that Jenny was a really good final girl. I will agree. I I liked her a lot um, as a final girl. And as a character, she was the most developed character of anyone. Oh, totally. Um, So that was good. Liked her. She was cool. And on we go to our ending statements. So, Shannon, what was your recommendation for people who agree with you about this film? So my recommendation, if you enjoyed Friday the 13th Part 2, is watch actual Friday the 13th. You pretty much already see most of it in the first five minutes of this film. But if you haven't seen it, watch Friday the 13th, the first part, because I liked that film a lot more than this one. Um, 
yeah, and if you like that, watch any other camp cabin movie, Cabin in the Woods Except or Final Mad Girls. Man. It's good. Yeah. And my recommendation is another part two that, at least in my opinion, is better than the original film. What? Nothing. I'm interested. To, I'm intrigued. You're looking at me weird. I'm intrigued. Okay. Um, it's with with all due respect to Tom Holland, it's Child's Play two, because. I like the first... We're not talking about the first Child's Play. We'll talk about that later. But um, Child's Play 2, I think, had so much fun atmosphere. I feel like Chucky is the most credible menace out of the entire franchise in that film. Because there's a part where like he kills a guy in the basement steps and he's just roaring and I'm actually scared of him. And I've never been scared of Chucky. And the movie's fun. It's silly. It has an awesome final girl. Her name is Kyle. And she wears leather hats and bright red lipstick because it was the early 90s. And it's just such a fun movie. I recommend it for anyone. Cool. Alrighty then. <laughs> on to our clue. Yes, on to our clue. Um, okay, so um, you may have noticed that we were using a certain actor's name a lot, a lot, a lot this episode. And that was Russell Todd. Uh, next week, we are premiering our interview with Russell Todd that we got to perform we performed an interview upon russell todd and oh we'll God. be sharing it with you next week and we're really excited about that yeah he was very gracious and um it was a really interesting interview and we make some really bad jokes yeah and as he, we always do he's gone on to a lot of success in the industry and not necessarily where you'd expect it's very very cool and it's a fun interview yes so uh tune in next week and you will hear that and uh brennan why don't you tell us the clue for two weeks from now all right We'll be celebrating the most romantic of holidays with an unshaved Canadian prison manager. That sounds super gross. It does, but it's a good, it's one of the hardest clues I think I've come up with, and I'm excited to see if anyone can crack it. Oh boy. All I, right. I think they can. If you have a guess for that clue, um, if you, well, okay, if you have a guess for that clue, or if you have any comments or questions or concerns, if you want to tell us how awesome we are for getting to talk to Russell Todd, you can contact us on Twitter at Scream101Pod, via Facebook at Scream101Podcast, uh, via email at Scream101Podcast at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review us. Give us five stars like you're as much a fan of us as I am of uh, Friday the 13th. And that is it. That is it. Oh, so Brennan, uh, who will be playing us out? We'll be playing you out with... The Tide is High by Blondie, which was number 99 on the charts on the day that Friday the 13th Part 2 was released. We're really stretching on this one. I, w I was on the IMDb page of Friday the 13th Part 2 because they have little there's a little link you can click on that says soundtracks, and it tells you all the songs that were used in the movie. Mm -hmm. And literally all it says is, Itsy Bitsy Spider. <laughs> 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 so this is what we got. Enjoy.
Do you want to enter this time? Yeah, I was just going to do it. I was going to steal it from you, but oh, even nice. better. Yeah. I especially love... Um, no. Pitchfork, the pitchfork was a nice time. <laughs> this just a flesh wound. Bet Betsy. Bet 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 Betsy Palmer. Because <laughs> the first... Never mind. I won't tell... Okay. Um. Bye, everyone. Bye. That was not worth putting in the end. No, we're going to have to put something else.